Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Acts chapter 3, and we'll look at verse 19 through verse 21. Acts chapter 3, 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. As we've pointed out many times, this verse number 19 says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing, many translations say, so that seasons or times of revival may come from the presence of the Lord. Well, it's a time, we're in a time of revival. We're in a season of revival right now. <clears throat> and uh, as I've pointed out before, God sends revival to the church for a, for a variety of reasons. One reason he sends revival to the church is because the church <clears throat> uh, historically, just like the people of God in the Old Testament, have a tendency to backslide. Now, I didn't say you were backslidden. I just said that, that the people of God have a tendency to backslide. If you, if you study the Old Testament, you'll see that Israel would, uh, you know, they, God would raise up a prophet, some uh, uh, person, personality, you know, minister in certain times or a certain king or something, and they would turn the people back towards God and away from their idolatry. And then uh, uh, that prophet or that minister or that king would, would uh, leave the scene and someone else would come on the scene and the people would begin to backslide and they would get into idolatry and, and uh, mingling with the nations around them and, and be corrupting themselves with, with uh, ungodly practices and God would have to send a revival and uh, bring the people, stir them back up again. We see it throughout church history that God sends revival to turn the tide, so to speak, to reset and, and re uh, established momentum in the church and, uh, and to get it back on course generally but he also sends revival for the purpose of restoring some things uh, things that uh, have been lost probably because of backsliding at some point but sometimes things have been so uh, lost for so long generations after generations come and they know nothing about certain truths or certain practices or certain New Testament realities and so God will send not only times of revival but times of restoration. We see that in verse 22, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. And so sometimes there are uh, uh, times of revival that are also connected to these times of restoration. In other words, God sends revival in order to restore, to restore certain things to the church that have fallen by the wayside or have been devalued or not emphasized as they should. And uh, 
it occurred to me not long ago, I was reading this passage and it just kind of stood out and I'd never really seen it before. And it says that whom heaven must receive, speaking of Jesus, he's gone into heaven, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration. That is, uh, until, until these times of restoration are completed, Jesus will not return. He is in heaven until the times of restoration. But here's what caught my attention. The restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Now you have to take that in the context in which it's written. It's not necessarily talking about all things that all the prophets have spoken since the time, since time began concerning all things. There are some things concerning the future after Jesus returns. The prophets have spoke about the millennial reign of Christ. The prophets have spoken about the new heavens and the new earth, the new Jerusalem and, 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 and the eternal state. He's not talking about that. If you go back up to uh, verse 18, just before verse 19 where we started, verse 18 says, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. So when he's talking about the restoration of all things that have been spoken by the mouths of all his holy prophets since time began, it's things pertaining to Christ. Do, do you see what I'm saying? There are some things about, about heaven and so forth that will not be fulfilled until we get there. They can't be restored because they've never, they've never happened before. Isn't that right? But there are some things that have been spoken and all the things that have been spoken concerning Christ, well, that would include concerning the church because the church is the body of Christ. In a very real sense, we, the, the church, we are Christ in the earth. He's the head, we're the body of Christ. And so any, anything that's true of him must be true of us because us and him are one. Do you understand? And, uh, and here's what got my attention. Of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets. I don't know why, but for some reason, I always read this differently than the way it's, it's actually written. I, I read it, I heard it sort of like this. All, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which the church has experienced. I don't know why I read it that way. No, all things which have been spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Let me illustrate. There, there was a, uh, a number of years ago, I was reading, up a, common, I was reading a commentary uh, about the doctrine of the rapture of the church, the catching away of the church. And this particular person was criticizing the doctrine of the rapture and he said that it wasn't valid and that it wasn't scriptural. And, and he said, this particular writer said, and other people have alleged this because I looked into it a little bit, and other people have alleged that that allegedly the doctrine of the rapture had never been pre preached or presented until a certain date and there's different people that they say uh, first preached the doctrine of the rapture and they list this person, that person. But they're like the 17 or 1800s. Uh, that was the first time the doctrine of the rapture had ever been preached and that it was unknown in the church before. There wasn't any history in church history of, of the rapture of the church. And uh, 
the point was that it wasn't a valid doctrine because if it was valid, it had been preached before and, 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 and people would have seen it and, and believed in it, but, but it hadn't been, so it couldn't be, you couldn't have a new doctrine uh, coming up in, in, you know, in the 19th century. Well, to begin with, that's not true because, because the doctrine of the rapture is found in 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians in the, doc, in the documents of the New Testament. So we know it was preached then. Now, whether or not it was lost in subsequent uh, uh, centuries, I don't know. I haven't looked into that. I do know that early in the second century, the church began to backslide. And very rapidly, in the next couple of hundred years, the church, a lot of things began to be taught and believed that weren't in the Bible and that were never a part of the New Testament. So I don't know if, if, if the doctrine of the rapture fell out of, of common uh, uh, usage, but it really doesn't matter. If it's in the Bible, it doesn't matter if no one has ever preached it. If we find it in the scripture, if we find it in the New Testament and there are two or three uh, references, I'm not talking about a doctrine that you can build on one isolated uh, verse of scripture, but if you find multiple uh, references to a particular truth, it doesn't matter if no one, it matters, it, it, matter, it doesn't matter if anyone has ever, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Because it said there will be a restoration of all the things that were spoken or we could say written as well by all the holy prophets since the world began. I said that to say this, I believe we're gonna see some things before Jesus returns. I believe there's going to be further revelation of truth from the word of God. I'm not talking about something that somebody makes up out here or alleges to be true, but I believe, I don't, I don't believe we gleaned everything out of the New Testament yet. I don't believe we have all the understanding. I don't think we've seen everything there is to see. Amen. The Bible says that the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. There, there are some deeper things. There are some, some truths and some things from the word of God that I believe none of us have ever seen before. And we, before Jesus returns, those truths will be restored to the church. Amen? A amen. Glory to God. And so we're in a time of revival and we're in a time of restoration. Glory to God. Now, go with me over to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When I taught back in the summer or fall, I don't remember now exactly when it was, but a few months ago I taught on times of restoration. You remember that? For several Sundays. And uh, I, I presented, that, presented the, the, uh, the thought that in these last days, God is in times of restoration. There are three things in particular that the Spirit of God wants to restore to the church, restore the understanding to the church, restore the practice and, and, and so forth uh, of certain things. And I mentioned three things. Now, if you'll remember, I said then, and I'm saying again now, I, I'm not saying that this is the on, these are the only three things, that there's not more, but, but there are at least these three things. 
that we can agree on that uh, must be restored or brought back to its proper balance in the church. The first of all was the power of Christ. Secondly, the authority of Christ. And third, the character of Christ. And we see that all of these things need to be restored in the church. We need a restoration of the character of Christ in the church. The church has moved far, I mean as a whole, the church world as a whole has moved far away from the the true character of the Lord Jesus Christ and become very worldly. And uh, there needs to be a restoration of the character of Christ. Then there needs to be a, a restoration of the authority of Christ. And I actually spent some time talking about uh, uh, the, the restoration of our, of our authority in Christ, the authority of Christ operating through the church. You know, the authority of Christ isn't just for the Lord Jesus himself. The authority of Christ is for his church. That's why he, when he was raised from the dead, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth, therefore you go. He immediately conferred that authority on the earth to the church because uh, he, he was going to heaven. And if that authority is going to be, if his authority that he's been given in heaven and in earth, if it's going to be exercised in the earth, it would have to be exercised uh, by someone in the earth. And we know that we are the body of Christ, so that authority has been delegated to us and we have the responsibility as well as the uh, joy of exercising his authority in the earth. Uh, but I didn't talk very much about a restoration of his power, the restoration of the power of Christ. And I really want to talk about uh, this today. Uh, go with me over to, did I tell you the first chapter? We're going to come back and read verse, uh, yeah, we're going to come back and read verses four through eight a few, in a few minutes, but let's go over to the second chapter. First Corinthians chapter 2. Let's start in verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. Let me just stop and, and uh, observe that if, if you're aware of the modern church today, you'll see that the emphasis in the modern church today from the pulpit is basically 180 degrees opposite from this. Because he said, when I can, here, here's how Paul preached. Here's how the great apostle who wrote the, who wrote the largest part of the New Testament, used of God in a way that no other man has ever been used next to the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how he preached. How would the apostle Paul preach if he was in High Springs today and was preaching? He said, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, he's talking about human wisdom, natural wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. In most pulpits in America today, it is the, what is on display is the, the wisdom of man. That's what's on display. And uh, people like to be 
People like to be impressed with their preachers. And preachers like to impress their crowds. Now, listen, I'm a minister. I, I'm just telling you, uh, this is the way it is. And, and so many pulpits today are uh, places where human wisdom and human ego, human uh, talent and the ideas and the grandiose uh, uh, imaginations of men are on display. In a quasi-biblical uh, 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 setting, you know, using biblical terms and biblical uh, expressions, in other words, in a... In a, in a in, a, in the context of godly living, but the but the emphasis when you listen, the emphasis is on the is on the the uh, the wisdom of man. People like to say, "Oh, I tell you what, I listen." No one's ever said this here, but people like to say, "Oh, our preacher is so smart." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tell you what, he knows so much, and and, uh, and he just challenges us to think about things and. And, and Paul said, when I came, he said, I, I came and I determined to be ignorant concerning everything but Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, he said, I came in the simplicity of the gospel. I came in the simplicity of the message of Jesus Christ crucified. Of course, we know in his, in his sacrificial death, you have to include his burial and resurrection as well because Paul preached the resurrection. So he's talking about the work of Christ. The re, he's talking about the redemptive work of Christ. He said, that's what my preaching was centered on. I didn't want people to look at me because, because Paul was a very educated man. And he didn't want people to look at him and take note of his education. He, did, he wanted people to not even see that. He wanted people to look through that, to not even, to, to, for that his education and his, uh, and his ability uh, in that regard would become invisible and that it wouldn't be a, 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 a stumbling stone or it wouldn't be anything that would interrupt or interfere with the message that he was preaching. Amen? He said, my preaching, when I came to you, I determined not to know anything among you. I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. He said, I didn't come to you in pride. I didn't come to you in arrogance. I didn't come to you in any sense of, of human self-sufficiency. He said, I, I came uh, to you and I stripped off all of the natural things that would tend to uh, uh, undergird me or the things that would tend to, to elevate me among men. He said, I emptied myself of all of those things. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your, now here's the point here, verse number five, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He said, I wanted to, and I came, and my speech and my preaching were not 
in any way with human excellence or human ability or human wisdom. My speech and my preaching was in demonstration of the Spirit, demonstration of the Holy Spirit and demonstration of the power of God so that your faith would not be in anything but the power of God. Hallelujah. God wants his people to have faith in his power. Well, that's one thing God's doing in these last days is is he's restoring an understanding of his power. The power of God. The, uh, there's, there are several words in the New Testament in the, in the original that are translated power. One common uh, uh, word that's translated power is dunamis. And it's the word that we get the English word dynamite or dynamo from. It, it's, it's, it means self-generating inherent power uh, uh, that, uh, of, a, of a source that's of itself. Well, in the natural, there's not anything like that. Because everything in the natural has, a, has some source, you know, of power. And, and that power is always uh, on the, in the process of diminishing. I mean, even the stars are burning out. You know, they've got power in them, but they're not being replenished. They're not, they're not replenishing themselves. They will eventually burn out. But God's power never burns out. His power never goes away. His power never wanes. And, and he, can, he, can, he, he could come through here this morning and just move through this place and heal everybody in here and, and his power would still be at 100%. It wouldn't affect his power at all. Amen. Amen. And he said, that's what, I, that's what I came to demonstrate. I came so that my preaching and teaching would be in demonstration of God's spirit and of his power. The word demonstrate means a display. To demonstrate something in, in this, the way this is written in the original Greek, this word means a, a display. He said, my speech and my preaching were not with enticing words of human wisdom, but in display of the Holy Spirit and of power. Glory to God. I tell you what, the church in, in this world today, the church in America, the church around the world, the church in High Springs, the church everywhere needs demonstrations of God's spirit, displays of his spirit and displays of his power. Now it makes religious people very nervous. I said religious people get real nervous. Traditionalists get real nervous when God's spirit and God's power is on display. And the reason is they can't control it. Humans like to control things. Have you ever noticed that? Particularly when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to, to, to biblical things, uh, there, there's this, there's this uh, uh, sense, it's unspoken, but it's there. And, it's, and it is, okay, let's have church, but let's not have anything out of the ordinary. Let's not, let's not lose control of anything for a second. Isn't that true? Isn't that the way the, the modern church views things? We're gonna have, we're gonna open with this song. We have fancy names for them. You know, we, and, and we're going to, to uh, sing then these three hymns. 
and the choir's gonna do such and such and, so, and brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so are gonna have this, they're gonna give these remarks and they're gonna read off of a sheet of paper. You don't stray from the text, you see? And, uh, and you have different people, you know, and it's been so long since I've been involved in that, I've, I've, forgotten, I've forgotten what they call all those different parts, but you know what I'm talking about. The different parts of the service, they got real highfalutin sounding names, you know, uh, just uh, real churchy, you know, and, uh, and everything is scripted out. And in most places, if anybody, I mean, if somebody, you know, mispronounces something or says something wrong, that's one thing, but if you ever get the sense that anyone intentionally steps out of that boundary for a minute, everybody's like, what is going on here? And the powers that, that be, you know, they, everybody's heart rate, you know, elevates a little bit. Whoo, where are we going? What is gonna happen in this place today? Just because somebody stepped out of, that, out of their lane a little bit. That's the way people are. That's not the way the apostle Paul was. That's not the way the Lord Jesus was. He went into, into temples and turned things upside down. You ever know that? You ever notice that? Went in and turned the tables. I mean, physically turned the table. That's getting out of his lane. Turning the tables upside down. Taking a whip. I tell you what, Jesus will, is still messing up churches. <laughs> if people allow him to be himself, he will mess stuff up. He will turn things on its ear. I mean, he, 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 he'll, he'll bring something fresh into a service. The Holy Ghost likes to move. He likes to manifest his presence. He likes to demonstrate his power. He likes to demonstrate the glory of God. He likes to demonstrate the mercy of God. It's one thing to read about his mercy. God wants to demonstrate it. It's one thing to read about his goodness. God wants to show himself good. It's one thing to talk about healing. God wants to heal somebody. God wants to deliver somebody. God wants somebody that can't run to start running. God wants somebody that can't hear to start hearing. God wants somebody that doesn't shout to start shouting, praise God. Could that be you? Could that be you? Shout, praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Woo. God likes to stir things up. Amen. He said, my spreet, my speech and my preaching, speech, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of cool, calm, collected delivery. It wasn't something that you could, that you could forecast and plan out, praise God. He said, my speech, my preaching, my delivery was in demonstrate a display of the spirit of God, a display of his power. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit has more in his bag of goodies. The Holy Spirit has, has more in his gifts and demonstrations and uh, uh, blessings. He has more than what we're used to. Now, for a lot of churches, just for us to, to get excited like we did just a minute ago would, would just scare the daylights out of some people. Oh my, what is about to happen? 
I mean, if, if somebody started praising God just like we were just a few seconds ago in, in a lot of churches, I mean, somebody'd be fired. Somebody'd be run out of town. How in the world could you allow things to get so out of control? But it's all relative. It's all relative. We're used to this, but what can scare us? <laughs> Bring it on Jesus, that's right. What, what can frighten us? What can make us a little bit nervous? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Woo, glory, glory, glory. What, what can cause us to, 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 uh, to sit up and go, whoo, never seen anything like that before. <laughs> You know, I have, a, I have a, a response when people say, well, I've never seen anything like that before. I say, well, now you have. You can't say that anymore. As a matter of fact, the next time you see it, you can say, yeah, I've seen that before. <laughs> well, I've never heard anything like that before. Well, you, you have now. You know, there's a first time for everything. Isn't that right? And just because you haven't seen it, just because you haven't heard it, just because you haven't experienced, doesn't mean that it's not in the plan of God for you. Oh, hallelujah. I, 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 was, I have some notes here that I wanted to talk about that are kind of in this direction, but it's not in the direction I've been going the last few minutes. And, and when the Spirit of God uh, spoke to us through tongues and interpretation a few minutes ago, I picked that up when I was on the platform this morning uh, when, when Pastor Angela and I came up and uh, I just had just a, a, just a general sense of it and I hadn't really thought about it. I, I, wasn't talking, I wasn't thinking about 2016 or what God's doing this year. It hadn't even crossed my mind. You know, usually preachers, uh, they jump off, you know, they, 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 they get off to a fast start in January. This is what God's doing, you know. For some reason, I wait till February. I don't know why. I guess I'm in the first part of Feb January, I'm always gearing up to go to California where I spend the last two weeks of January. And, uh, but I've just noticed, I got to thinking about it in the last few years, I, I tend to get direction in, in February. Well, it's almost February. Amen. And the Spirit of God's saying that in this year, he's gonna do some things that if I remember correctly, is what he said? He's gonna do some things that we haven't seen before. Woo! I've seen a lot of stuff. I've seen a lot of stuff. I've seen God do some things that most of you've never seen before. Amen. Well, that got, everybody kind of got quiet. Heart rate just went up a step. <laughs> I tell you what, there is a level of power. There is a degree of power, I should say. There is a degree of power. There is a degree of the operation of the Holy Spirit that people have experienced in the past, but not very many people today have ever experienced it. And God's wanting to, to bring us to that place and take us beyond that place because I believe there are some things, like I said, that, that people have never. Now, I, I will say this. Just let me give this little, little limitation or, or to that. Uh, I, I believe that there's always been somebody 
that during church history, there's always been someone who has experienced uh, the depths of the move of the Spirit. But I'm saying as church-wide, you know, there are some things that uh, church-wide, something that could be written in the annals of history of the church. There are some things the church has never experienced before, but they're in line with the Word. The Word of God, the power of God, the Holy Spirit, I've told you this before. I hope you don't get tired of me of me saying it, but to me it's still fresh when I think about my own personal history. I have, I'm talking about me, myself. I have been greatly impacted by revivals in my life and in my history. And I take that back to my grandmother. My grandmother was... Uh, 17 years old in 1915 and she was filled with the Holy Spirit and in that, in that first revival of, the, of Pentecost that began in, in 1901, really caught fire in 1906 and then went on for the next 20 years, that, that initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the 20th century I'm talking about. Not, you know, of course we know it happened first on the day of Pentecost. But it had passed away. God hadn't put it aside, but people had had backslidden. So God brought revival to the church, and my my uh, paternal grandmother was filled. Her name was uh, Baldry. She married a man named Anderson, and uh, my grandfather. But when she was, like I said, when she was uh, seventeen years old, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, that that was revi- That was a revival. That impacted my life. I, I, my, my parents, her, her son, my dad, and then on my mother's side of the family, they were involved in Pentecost uh, shortly after that, but my mother was filled with the Holy Spirit. They raised us in that. I was impacted with that revival. I was impacted with the healing revival because I, I remember going to the big tent crusades when I was just, it was on the very end of the healing revival. And I was real small, but I remember going to some of those big tent crusades and it made an impact. I still have some vivid memories of that and it made an impact on my family. And so it helped shape my life. And then I, I, I was really aware and really a part of the charismatic great charismatic revival. I was totally, I was an adult by that time and I was just totally into it and, 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 uh, and very much impacted and influenced by that. And of course, the word of faith, the teaching revival, the message of faith that's, that kind of sprang out of that, of the, of the soil, so to speak, of the charismatic uh, renewal, I, I, I was impacted by that. And, and then this revival of the word and spirit today. So revival has impacted my life. And, uh, but, but the thing about it, going back to the days of our, of my grandparents and the early days of, of that revival in the, in the first beginning days of the 20th century, we experienced the Holy Spirit at, at, at one level. They experienced it at a deeper level. Now, did they understand all of the word like we do? I don't believe they did. I don't believe they had as clear of understanding of certain, let me say it that way, certain truths that we have today. But uh, when they got filled with the Holy Spirit, it was a life-altering experience in every 
sense of the word. When my grandmother was filled with the Holy Spirit, now my, I didn't learn this from my dad because my dad passed away when I was 11. I never heard these stories. But in recent years, I, I've, I've talked to his brothers and sisters. My aunts and uncles are still alive and uh, they're in their 90s, you know, and so I, I, I like to spend time with them. Not, a couple of years ago, I took a tape recorder and I said, we had a family reunion. I said, why don't you guys sit down? I, wanna, I want you to tell me the stories, you know about my grandmother and about, you know, those early days. And so I, I recorded it. But when my grandmother was filled with the Spirit, my, my, my aunt told me that there's, they have no memory of her history of ever being in church. She, had, she came from a broken family and uh, was apparently not saved and unchurched. They, there's no, they, they never grew up with, with, with a history from her that she ever went to church before that event. And my uncles, her brothers, my great uncles, I should say, had been invited to a, a full gospel service somewhere. And uh, somewhere in uh, the area uh, outside of McClinney, Florida, up in, up in the, you know, the woods somewhere. And so they were going to go. This person invited my two great uncles. And so... My, my grandmother, their sister, was, was living with them. She had, her home had been broken, and, and she was just young, but she, she was living with them, and they invited her to go. She said, sure, I'll go. She apparently knew nothing about Jesus or, or anything, and she was baptized in the Holy Ghost, and when she came home, she could not speak in English for some period of time. She could not speak. She, she tried to communicate with people and all would come out with tongues. Well, that's, that's a level of power that most of us don't know anything about. Uh, there were demonstrations of the Spirit in those days that are nothing short of, of miraculous I mean, people would, would, would get under the power, would, would, would fall under the power in services when I was just a youngster. And that was, so that was in the, in the 1950s. And you, you, never, you never saw in your life some of the things. I'm talking about people running on the, on the backs of the pews. So I don't want to see that. <laughs> Why would I want to see that? My point is, They'd do this with their eyes closed. I mean, people would be out, slain out in the spirit. Other people would be dancing in the Holy Ghost and dance all around them. Dance all around them and in and among them. Never touch a one of them on the floor. Never, no, no finger stepped on, nothing. And, and be with their eyes closed. And they, they were so, at times, they were so taken in the presence of God that they weren't even aware of things around them. I've only experienced that one time in my life. Just one time I've experienced that. I stepped into a cloud of glory one time and everything around me, I was in a church service and everything around me disappeared. I mean, they didn't, but I mean, to my view. And, uh, and, but this was a common experience in those days. All I'm saying is God wants to demonstrate himself today and we, we need to get ready and we need to get hungry we need to get hungry because there were some miracles that took place back then 
that did not come as a result of standing in faith and confessing the word of God. Now, we believe in faith. We've, God has raised up the message of faith, confession. We know how to take the promise of God and stand on his word, speak it, and without any uh, uh, demonstration whatsoever, see the blessing of God, see miracles take place in our lives. They didn't receive miracles that way. They received miracles strictly from the spirit realm. They would get over in the spirit and lose themselves in the power of the Holy Ghost and the spirit of God would begin to work miracles that they were not necessarily in faith for. See, there's some, there's some gifts of healings and there are the workings of miracles that come from the spirit of god that that aren't things they're not things that we that we uh uh take to ourselves the same way are you following me they they had those things I, and i my, i've told you the story about this same grandmother how she was healed of terminal cancer and the way she was healed she was in she was in when you say terminal cancer she had been given up to die all of my uh, you know, my dad and his brothers and sisters, the family had been called in. If you want to see your mother, you know, you better come because she's not going to make it. And uh, skin and bone, she was down to, you know, 90 pounds or something, just a skeleton. And they got her out of bed and took her to a service. And she had enough strength to get up in the healing line. But before anybody laid hands on her, the Spirit of God moved on her. She started dancing in the Spirit, just dancing in the Holy Ghost. And when she was finished, the cancer was gone. She was completely, and the cancer had eaten up her insides. Her bodily functions had been affected, and she was completely restored. Completely restored. Completely healed. Nobody late. She never got to the evangelist today. Actually, it was one of her brothers was holding the meeting. He had become an evangelist. And but she never got she never got up far enough to get hands laid on her. Just yielding to the Holy Ghost. Is it scriptural to dance in the spirit? My grandmother would say yes. Is there any profit to dancing in, in, in the presence of the Lord? Well, yeah. When we're fully yielded to the spirit, I tell you what, God has some things for us. Paul said, my, my, I didn't come with excellence of delivery or, or uh, you know, my skillful speech or any of that stuff. He said, I came in demonstration of the spirit and of power. And it says in the book of Acts when they returned to the church at Jerusalem, they gave an account of the signs and wonders that God had wrought through them as they preached the word. In this year of 2016, set your heart and your expectations on things that you've not seen. For there is a realm of the spirit, a place in the move of God that I will take my church in this year, says the Lord. It'll be a grand and wonderful place, a place of enlargement, a place of expansion, a place of freedom in the power of the spirit and in demonstrations of the spirit that will set your heart to dancing, that will cause your feet to dance, 
trumpets and your voice to rejoice and praises come forth from the midst of the, of the heart of believers because I'm doing a fresh work, a fresh work, something that I've always done but it will be fresh and new and you will see things in a light and in a way that you've never seen them before so have expectation for this year because you need to get ready because we're about to take off, says the Lord, amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.